This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Alicia Hernandez. And I'm Matthew Brown. November is fast approaching, and with it comes the 2016 election. This includes the well-covered presidential election, but also many important local elections that don't get very much media coverage. Tonight, we bring you the voices of youth leaders Jakia Fuller and Marian Mendez, who recently attended a voter conference in Baltimore called Millennial Voices Matter. At the convening, they discussed some of the pitfalls in our electoral process and how to engage young voters to participate in this year's election. You'll also hear from Krista Kelly, who is the CEO of Motiva Corporation. We also hear from Fred Sandoval, the executive director of the Latino Behavior Health Association. They discuss the upcoming GO bond that will be on next month's Santa Fe ballot and how it can improve New Mexico behavior health. Along with the upcoming pledge drive, we also bring you some awesome music to help punctuate the importance of this year's election season. Here's Bob Dylan with The Times They Are a Changing. This election season has brought quite a bit of political concern. One thing's for certain, you do not want to miss your opportunity to vote come November. Absolutely. What's also important to understand is that the millennial generation has the ability to make a huge impact on the outcome of this election. But that can't happen if we don't practice our right to vote. We talked with two young leaders, Jaquia Fuller and Marian Mendez, who attended a national convening in Baltimore called Millennial Voices Matter. This convening covered topics like voter rights, voter accessibility, and of course, the importance of voter participation. Here's GJ fellow Christina Rodriguez with Marian Mendez and Jaquia Fuller. This is Christina Rodriguez with Generation Justice, and I am here with Chakia Fuller and Marianne Mendez. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Thank you. To start off, can I have each of you please tell us a little bit more about yourselves? So hi, my name is Chakia Fuller. I am a youth producer with Generation Justice. I attended the Millennials Votes Matter convening 2016 that was in Baltimore. I am currently a Savannah College of Art and Design transfer student, so I'll be there in January studying fashion design with a concentration of sustainable design. Hi, uh, my name is Marianne Mendez. I'm currently a community organizer at the Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, um, focusing on labor rights and currently focusing in GOTV. Um, I attended the uh, Millennium Boat Matters convening, and I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Tell me more about the Millennial Votes Matter convening. So the purpose of like the convening was to basically like increase like young voter par- participation and actually like teach the people that are there how to actually go about like getting people to register to vote and so that they're able to be comfortable with having that conversation with people. So I think it was mainly just like to inform us and actually like figure out how we can increase like young voter participation. Yeah, it was also part of uh, creating that mindset of how important it is to go out and to vote, um, coming from different backgrounds and different communities and realizing that we fought for that right and that we have 
to let our voice be heard and, and engage with our communities, not only at the presidential uh, election, but throughout, because there is uh, many other positions that are being held locally and that, for example, our major or governor and that we are not engaging in those. And those are the positions that make daily decisions in our lives and that impacts us daily. And what were some of the ways that you learned that we can be involved? Something that stood out to me where it was like we need to be like involved consistently or like throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. It's like when it comes to people who are trying to get people registered to vote. It's true that, you know, people who go, they're like, oh, you know, let's go vote. Like they'll knock on your door and be like, oh, are you registered to vote? And they'll just go around the block that one time. Yeah, it's important to go around that block once, but you need to also, like, call these people, like, develop, like, a relationship with these people, like, so in your community, like, go out in your community and ask people, like, hey, are you registered to vote? If not, like, do you need help? I can help you. Like, these are the things that I'm willing to do for you. Keep reminding that person, like, oh, don't forget it's time to vote. And, like, when it comes closer, like, do you need transportation? to actually go vote like so things like that so you're making sure that you're just like consistent like having that type of rapport with that person and then after the election like talk to that person be like okay now that you voted how do you feel about that and then you know just like keep that relationship going because it's just always it just stops and that's it so people are just like they don't even want to like get to know me like what I'm about they just want me to be registered and that's it Right, like uh, Jackie was saying, it is important to not only go once or twice, but um, it's proven that um, voter exposure, like the more exposure you have with the voter, or the most contacts you have with that voter, it increases the chances from them voting because you are creating that space for them to be engaged throughout the process. Yeah, I think that's almost unusual to hear about like genuine relationships with voters rather than asking you about your voter registration or what you're registered as. So I think that is really cool. What other obstacles are there when it comes to voting that you guys learned about? Oh, okay. I'm so glad you asked. So there was someone there who, like, he does, like, disability, like, rights. That's, like, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And then we also had, like, a speaker that came in, and, like, apparently both of them were, like, kind of, like, colleagues in a way. So they are just, like, going back and forth, and they are just, like, voters with disabilities is, like, a huge demographic that we're just not, like thinking about because they were talking about that it's going to be more than three million um, voters with disabilities who probably will not vote in this election because like the voting polls and like the areas aren't accessible and I was like that's true because when you think back to like all the like voting times you voted have you ever seen like anything accessible for people there like if you speak another language like you're supposed to be like you have the right to have a translator there but people don't know that or like if you're blind, you you can still vote, but, like, they should be able to have, like, a Braille, like, option for you, but that's not there. So it's just, like, there's, like, a lack of resources or, for, like, people with disabilities to, who are, like, who want to vote. And because people don't really go out of their way to make sure that, you know, they're actually being tended to, like, they're actually being, like, taking care of their needs and stuff. I think that's one of the main things that I took back with me. Not only um, it is visible that whenever we have voter uh, elections during the Tuesday, that isn't an accessibility to workers out there. Just imagine if, <laughs> if we had elections on a weekend, on a Saturday, everybody, it would increase the likelihood of people voting. And it's, I mean, it, that in there is just restricting ourselves to whoever is accessible at that time. And, and if we do that, and it would increase the likelihood of, of having more voters out there. As long as we have the, those uh, options up there, we're going to have more voters. It's just as easy as that. Another barrier is, like, um, for, like, people who have, like, felonies and stuff like that, um, people in prison or on parole and on probation cannot vote in New Mexico. And then, like, people with felony convictions can vote upon completion of their sentence. 
So, like, for each state, that varies. So it's just, like, in one state, you're just like, no, I can actually vote. But if you go somewhere else, it's just, like, your vo- your right to vote has been taken away from you. But then it's also for, like, people who actually have, like, the felonies and they're able to vote. It's, like, there are some people, they're, like, police officers? Like, what were they talking about? It was, like, there are, like, yeah. some police officers there that are um, stationed at those, like, voting places. So just to intimidate people so that they don't go in. Because they also have, like, police officers who are there who also, like, are checking people's, like, driver's license and stuff like that right. to see. Because they're just like, oh, if your thing's expired, then, you know, I'm not going to let you, like, I'm going to hold you up so that you can't vote. So it's just, like, those barriers. And that's affecting a lot of people. Because they're just like, I don't want to go out there and vote. Because if I do, then, like, you know, my car can be taken away, my license, and all that other stuff. So that was, like, surprising because I didn't know that was a thing either. So I was like, wow. What do you think the voting climate is, like, in this moment in time compared to what it was in the past? I think... I think now it's terrifying. It's, like, really scary. It's, like, very scary because right now it's just, like... It's not even coming down to, like, what those people, like, what they're what they're trying to do. It's just It's just, like... Who's the lesser of the two evils? Who has like the less? Who has like the least amount of blood on their hands? Yeah, like uh, Jackie was saying, this kind of uh, xenophobic ideals or perspectives that are being put out there. It's perpetuating violence and it's perpetuating um, racism and discrimination. And and that's not what the U.S. is all about. I mean, we're a nation of immigrants, and we have to come to understand that we're a mixture of races. We, that is just no other way around that. And, and, and justice for some is injustice for all. We cannot stay quiet. Yeah, the climate right now, it's 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 bad. It's terrifying, like Jackie was saying. Um, unfortunately, this this two um, do not represent who we are. Does not represent the majority of the people here in the United States. Yeah, I really feel like there isn't that much like hope in this election. I think um, there is. Though. I mean, I feel like we're <laughs> I feel like we're voting out of hate. Like, yeah, I can agree with that. I think that's true. But at the same time, I think there's like hope here because. I think with this election, this is actually making people realize that they mm. need to know what's going on. They need to know, like, who these people are, like, who their candidates are, right. like, who's on the ballot. So I think from this, like, situation, <laughs> I think that there's, like, a lot of good that can come out of this. Like, people need to also realize that there's stuff that's local, like, in your, like, city, in your area that needs to be voted on. And those people are going to be the ones that are going to be representing you on that nationwide level who are supposed to have your best interest in mind. So, like, there's hope in the sense that you're able to, like, actually find some really good people that you're just like, no, this person is for what I'm about. And they might, you know, and it might actually go up the ladder and, you know, make some change in the future. But I think, like you said, I do agree with that, that a lot of people are voting out of hatred. I think people are voting out of blind loyalty to their party. Not exactly the person that's representing the party but blind loyalty to their their own ideals and you shouldn't be blind to something that even you hold something really strong if you see something is wrong something is wrong regardless if it's something that you have uphold all your life as in like i am this party blah 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 like you know something is wrong and it, and it shouldn't be about your blind loyalty leading you. It should be what you think it's right leading you regardless. Mm-hmm. And and I understand that you know it it is terrifying, but it shouldn't it shouldn't be an obstacle for you to continue voting and for you to continue upholding your rights. Like Marianne said, like educate yourself, people. Please educate yourself. Like go find out. And it's okay if you don't know. It's okay. It's okay if you don't know. But. We've all been there. I mean, we went through the process of educating ourselves because that's what we had to do. I mean, it was 
either educating yourself or living through the struggle. It's it's just part of being educated. And and I'm not talking about like a school college education. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about yourself educating yourself to be able to live in in a community in a society that one way or another their their rules are going to impact you. One way or another the laws that they that they're putting in place are going to impact your daily lives. It's just part of your daily reality. And it's not something to say it's radical to think this way or it's radical, blah, blah, blah. You cannot be radical when the things are impacting you. You cannot be saying like, this is radical perspective. No, it's the reality that we all live through. So what do you think that New Mexico voters in our community need to know as we go into this next election? I will say... I know, like, a big thing is, like, a lot of people don't know, and I was one of those people. I'm still one of those people, even though I already checked. Um, like, you don't know if, if you're registered or not, or if you're an active, like, registered voter. That's, like, a crucial thing. So I know for, like, New Mexico, you can go on to Bernalillo County website, and um, it should be there. It says voter registration, and you should have uh, access to it, and you just have to put your name, your last name, and your date of birth. And your information will come up, as in whether you have been registered or not. And um, I will say something that people should know, it's what's going to be in the ballot. It's essential. Like, if you have never and it's your first time, and if you have never seen a ballot, you should, there's, like, samples out there of how a ballot looks. And you should get information of what exactly is going to be in the ballot, because it's not only people that are being up for election. There's also campaigns yeah, and bills like, and stuff that yeah. are really up. So I will say ballotopedia.com is a good website because I actually checked it out. And it's, like, a good place, like, where you're able to, like, check, type in, like, put in your state and your county and stuff like that. And it'll actually bring up everything that's going to be on your ballot in your area. Is there anything else either of you want to add? I will say um, stay engaged civically. Like, be aware, educate yourself of what's happening in your community. And a great way to do that is participating in organizations that are are all about whatever um, perspectives you have. For example, if, if your focus is on immigration, there's various uh, organizations, nonprofits out there that are concentrated on, on immigration. If you um, have to do with, I don't know, like um, education or labor rights or any other topic that you feel strongly about, there's various organizations out there that defend such, uh, such uh, perspectives and put them into place in the community. Um, I think the thing that I would probably say, like, one of the last things I'll end with is just, like, your vote matters and your voice matters. And your vote is, like, your political voice, like, on this stage when it comes to, like, a, when it comes time time for, like, elections. Like, this is, like, where you can put your voice into action be like, I'm for this, I'm not for this. And this is just, like, just another way for your voice to be heard. So I would just say that your voice does matter. So, yeah. Um, just one last thought, emphasizing on what Jackie said, um, you are not only a voice for yourself, but a voice for your community. You can impact um, various families out there um, through voting. You're impacting much more than just yourself. Well, I just want to thank you both for sharing your knowledge and sharing tools that we can use and coming into the studio with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank thank you. you. This is Christina Rodriguez with Generation Justice. Thank you, Jakia, for addressing voter accessibility. It's important these spaces accommodate non-English speakers and those who are not able-bodied. I appreciate how you informed us on all the options that make voting accessible for everyone. It's easy to forget that a large portion of our electorate speaks different languages and navigates the world through various levels of accessibility. 
Every vote matters, and I'm grateful to learn that there are ways to make our electoral process more inclusive. To channel the spirit of this year's election, here's Uprising by Muse. Welcome back. We'd like to take this time to remind folks that right now is our Fall 2016 Pledge Drive. You can pledge a donation and become a member of KUNM. It's super easy. Simply visit KUNM.org and click on the Support KUNM tab. Being at Generation Justice is probably one of the best things that could happen for me in my young adult life. I'm learning so much every day. I gain a great connection with the community, and more importantly, the media we produce here really matters, and it's for a greater good. It makes me very proud to call myself a member of Generation Justice, and without KUNM, we wouldn't be able to put together these shows every Sunday. We're all proud to be a part of the GJ family. None of the work we do would be possible without the support of our partners at KUNM. They help us out with training, studios, and so much more, so please visit KUNM.org and show your love for true community radio. For all the woke folk and revolutionaries listening tonight, here's Dream On by Aerosmith. participation affects more than just the outcome of the presidential election. That's right, Alicia. Here in New Mexico, there are several key issues that will appear on next month's ballot. If you're registered to vote in the Santa Fe County area, you'll want to keep your eyes open for the Santa Fe GO bond. The bond proposes to improve the conditions of our behavioral health system and make additional improvements to our infrastructure. My lovely co-host, Matthew Brown, was able to sit down with CEO of the Motiva Corporation, Krista Kelly, and the Executive Director of Latino Behavioral Health Association, Fred Sandoval. Here's what they had to say. This is Matthew Brown with Generation Justice, and I'm here with Krista Kelly, the CEO of the Motiva Corporation, and Fred Sandoval, the Executive Director of the Latino Behavioral Health Association. Um, Krista, Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to come with us and speak here at Generation Justice. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having us, Matthew. We're excited to be here. It's great to be here. So to start off, could you both please um, introduce yourself and also tell our listeners a little bit of the work that you do here in New Mexico? I'm Krista Kelly, CEO of Motiva Corporation, and what we're focused on really is um, economic development, fund acquisition, um, working with local governments and nonprofits to help find um, solutions to issues that our communities face, and um, we're very excited to be here with Generation Justice and talking about 
um, the Santa Fe County Geo Bond and how that really is going to impact our communities today. And Fred, how about yourself? Certainly. Our work focuses on advocacy, training, workforce development, policy and research, and uh, we've been very fortunate to have worked with Generation Justice on behavioral health advocacy work. So it's good to be back and also talk today about some real solutions to real New Mexico issues. So kind of going off of that, um, I want to open this up to both of you, but I'll start with you, Krista. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the behavioral health crisis, and we're we're not afraid to use that language when describing it. And I'm wondering if you can both speak to kind of the state of things in New Mexico and where are we at and kind of going forward, what are we doing to change it and what sorts of things are happening here in our state? Well, I think there's there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, we're really playing catch up. There have been a number of things that have been implemented in parts of the state, but it's really not enough at this point to meet the needs. We really need to have comprehensive systems in place, and I think we see a lot of focus be being put on crisis-related um, behavioral health services, and we really need long-term solutions to behavioral health and how we, how we uh, treat individuals on a long-term basis. The other thing that I see as a big gap is uh, really being able to address the issues up front um, and not waiting for them to get to the point where someone needs a crisis level intervention and really looking at how we um, help our children not be in a situation where they have a behavioral health issue when they're 21 or 22, looking at the household and what can we provide for the, the family to ensure that there are not behavioral health issues later on that, um, that get to the point where someone needs um, more help than they, than they would have needed had there been early intervention. Um, so those, those are the two biggest things that I see are issues with, with respect to behavioral health right now in our state. And Fred, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Your points are excellent. They actually absolutely speak to some of the needs, and I think it's all about what people need, and it's the system's responsibility to help address those needs. And this particular effort that Santa Fe County is initiating through the general obligation bond and the related questions is gets right at that very issue. And, and I'm going to point it out largely because one is I think it's very telling about um, how, in fact, it's really local solutions that are really are helping address those needs in a much more effective and systematic way. So I think that's what that does, and that's about as practical and as pragmatic as important as it gets. Then the second one is the behavioral health piece, and here's where I think in Santa Fe, there's really now some real serious, important policy traction at the county level, and I want to give credit to local government for really asserting its leadership because it has the financing capacity to do this. It has the expertise, and Santa Fe County has actually been building on this work for those uh, last 15 years, but the fact that it's happening as a local solution really speaks to the gaps that were identified by Generation Justice last year, which is the gaps in program policy and leadership at the state and national level. So this is really, really gets at solving those issues in a very pragmatic way. And what I'll end with is this, is I think that it's, a, it's an exciting time for us to see in our state uh, um, a solution that really does make sense. I just want to add real quick, um, you know, when we're talking about a comprehensive approach, I think that Santa Fe County has done an excellent job so far of getting the programs in place. And what's proposed on the GEO bond is the next step in creating that comprehensive program, both through 
um, the facility that will be located in Santa Fe and the one that will be located in the East Mountain area. So I'm very excited to see both of these projects on the bond package. Absolutely. So kind of shifting gears and speaking to that a little bit more, Mm -hmm. can you guys tell us um, about the geo bond that's going to be on the ballot this November for Santa Fe County and what we can expect to see and also what the change in the future we are hoping to get out of that? So the the total bond package itself is a $35 million bond package. And the county set aside um, $13.6 million of that for roads, $4.8 million for wastewater, Um, And then we've got public safety facilities. That's for things like our uh, fire stations. They've got $7 million set aside for that. Um, Open space, trails, and parks, there's $4.6 million set aside for that. And then you've got the community health facilities, which um, $5 million has been set aside for. The the fact that... um, Santa Fe County has set aside a fifth bond question specifically for health care facilities is really um, huge to our voters and huge to our communities. This is not typically included in a bond package. In fact, many state funding um, mechanisms will not even fund health care facilities. And healthcare is the largest growing sector of our job um, sector right now. And to be putting money towards facilities is so important to our communities and important not just in the fact that people will have access to health care and better access to that and behavioral health, but also the job creation. And we really need to be looking at how we can not just make an impact for our communities with respect to wellness and health, but also how can we create those jobs that can create a better community for our, our, our families and in the future. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit too, Fred. Yeah. You know, we have to understand the current context of what's happening in our state. And um, in New Mexico, the state's always ranked either 49th or 50th in the country in mental health spending. So the state itself spends very little uh, in terms of mental health services. And yet, on the other hand, at the other end of the spectrum, we rank usually one or two in the country in terms of the disparities of addictions and mental health conditions. And well over 60% of people in our state are actually going without treatment. So you have a, a, an explosive set of conditions in our state where the state's not attacking the problem very well. We recognize that there have been these shortages, and now we get an opportunity to do two things, is build the capacity in our rural communities in particular and in, in our cities to really address those needs. And the behavioral health piece in Santa Fe has focused in on those particular issues in a very targeted fashion. It actually identified behavioral health issues as the top priority and at the end, I think what it does is this, it, it really helps our citizens. And so we can now look to a very viable solution, and the general obligation bond coming up is going to involve a couple of things besides the election itself, is the community education meetings that are coming up. And I think Krista did a great job of really articulating that whether it's something in the rural rural part of Santa Fe County or the northern part of the county, the fact that this is so targeted and prioritized by the county All I can say is, uh, as I said to them at the county commission yesterday, is that, you know, their agenda and their policy approach is spot on. Thank you. That was an excellent answer. Um, And Krista, I want to give you the floor for this one, and then we can come back to you, Fred. Um, I know you spoke to this a little bit, but I kind of want to hammer the point in for our listeners. Um, What sorts of impacts can we see if this uh, bond does pass? And also, um, what sort of facilities will benefit from it being passed? Sure. So specifically in the East Mountain area, that facility will be providing primary medical care 
dental integrated behavioral health. And by integrated behavioral health, what we mean is that the behaviorist um, is located in the same facility with primary care. So that reduces the stigma related to going to a counselor, going to uh, a behaviorist at a different facility. This is all located within the primary care facility so that um, there's also better communication between the uh, clinician and the behaviorist um, so that they can talk about issues that the individual might be facing with respect to health care versus um, their behavioral health issues. So um, in addition to that, it'll also have a WIC facility and extended hours, which is really important to that community. Right now, um, there are no extended hours being provided by um, the clinics up there. And so to be able to have um, the ability to see a doctor on the weekend or in the later evening hours is really important to that community. And as we all know, when I-40 shuts down because of snow up there, there's no access to Santa Fe or Albuquerque. So to have that ability to access that is really important. In addition to that, there will be 18 exam rooms and 12 dental operatories, so it will be one of the largest dental operatories in the state as well. Um, and, you know, there's a large population of people out there who are still forced to come into Santa Fe or Albuquerque to see a specialist. So um, that clinic in particular will be working with um, UNM's ECHO program to provide subspecialty care, which is really important for individuals in that community. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? When we're taking care of our own, we're using our resources in our community to help our community uh, in a number of ways. Our families, ourselves, our neighbors, our community. That's an incredible investment. And all I could say is it's not just wise and prudent, but what it really does, it says we're not waiting for someone else to fix our problems. We're bringing it forth, and I get to contribute to that. It brings hope to the horizon that I haven't seen in, in in many years. This is such a great example of how New Mexico is taking care of its own. And much kudos to uh, really this process. We hope that it maintains transparency and accountability to ensure that we meet those needs. And then secondly, is that we continue to really uh, demonstrate that we're able to, in effect, have good health outcomes. So that it does improve people's health status, right? And so to kind of bring it back to the bigger picture, um, what can we do as a community, not only in Santa Fe County, but um, throughout New Mexico, in the following weeks as we approach this election, um, how can we prepare? What sort of information do we need to know, especially in regards to this GO Bond? Sure. So the other thing that individuals can do is visit the Facebook site, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Santa Fe County GO Bond. And the other thing I would just add to that is is take the time to educate yourselves on the bond and, and what's um, being presented through Santa Fe County's GEO bond package. Santa Fe County has been so forward-thinking on many of their programs, and this really just completes those programs and, and really provides a good, healthy infrastructure for the, for the communities in Santa Fe County. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Is there anything that you guys would like to add to this issue or anything that you'd really like to hammer in for our listeners? You know, the only thing I can think of is get out and vote. Um, we're going to see a lot of participation this election, and um, please get out to vote early. Uh, I want to recognize uh, this particular week. Um, so this broadcast is very timely. Uh, this is Mental Illness Awareness Week in our country. And this is our chance as advocates to remind people what this is really all about. 
and that's about the individuals who are in our families, our communities, ourselves, who might be experiencing some kind of mental illness. Uh, for the stigma that is rampant in our country and in our world, for that matter, against people with psychiatric disabilities, I'm here to say that one is you're not in it by yourself. You have us as advocates always remembering that one is we're going to look to address those needs even if it takes a lifetime. And for, certainly I've been in the field for 35 years. And uh, while there's been different solutions at different levels, this is one example where New Mexico actually can actually start to uh, say, you know what they did in Bernalillo, what they did in Santa Fe County, can we do that in our counties? The answer is absolutely yes. You know, it's possible when we have with the willingness, the desire, and the commitment to address the needs of our communities. In the absence of that is what persists the behavioral crisis to continue. Krista Kelly, Fred Sandoval, thank you both so much for taking the time to meet us here at Generation Justice. It has been an honor and a pleasure to speak with both of you. Thank you for having us. Good to see you. This is Matthew Brown with Generation Justice. Thank you, Fred and Krista, for expressing the importance of behavioral health. It's important to understand that investing in our community's resources is crucial for improving the state of behavioral health care in New Mexico. I'm just so excited to actually see a plan of progress taking place. Thank you both for your lifelong work in improving New Mexico's behavioral health system. This geo-bond proposed on next month's ballot has the potential to set a really strong precedent for the rest of New Mexico. Next on the track is one of my personal favorites. Here's Fly Away by Bernhoff. Welcome back. Again, we'd like to remind our listeners that this week on KUNM is our fall pledge drive. You can pledge a donation, support the work of Generation Justice, and become a member of KUNM. Generation Justice has really become a second home for me. I've never been a part of an environment that is so challenging but also so rewarding. Every day is an adventure, and I've never felt more connected with my community. Please make sure to check out our KUNM.org. Click the Support KUNM tab and show your support to the great radio KUNM gives to our community. Before we continue, let's cleanse your auditory palate with another awesome jam. Here's Believe by the Bravery. Now, let's kick things off with another community calendar. This week, we've got a lot of spooky events underway, from jack-o'-lantern festivals to Dia de los Muertos to a very special visit from, are you ready for this, Breaking Bad star himself, Brian Cranston. The month of October is sure to keep your adrenaline pumping. Hey, Alicia, 
What's scarier than Halloween? I'll tell you what, Matthew. My grade point average and test scores, that's what. Oh, wow. You know, I was going to say that this election season was the scariest thing, but, you know, that's pretty terrifying, too. Well, speaking of terrifying and spooky, have you thought of what you want to be for Halloween? I was just going to pretend to be happy, but there isn't enough clothing or makeup in the world to convince everybody of that. Well, Matthew, clothing might not be an issue for you if you stop by the Swap and Shop, a clothing media swap happening tomorrow, October 17th. A swap as in, like, trading? Yes. You can bring a minimum of five items and use them to trade for other items. How interesting. Where does the media come into play? I'm glad you asked, Matthew. There will also be a special media swap taking place for all those old VHS tapes, books, cassettes, vinyl, and other media items you've collected over the years but probably don't want to keep anymore. Oh, you know, I think I saw that on a flyer somewhere. I think the event takes place at the Dual Brewing ABQ from 7.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. A brewery? Well, ah, see, I'm not 21 yet. That's okay, Alicia. You and all of the other miners are allowed to attend this special event. Awesome! Maybe I'll find some additions for my Breaking Bad costume this Halloween. Speaking of Breaking Bad, there's an event coming up that features Mr. Walter White himself. Oh my gosh, no way. Way, way. Breaking Bad star Brian Cranston will be in town promoting his new memoir, a Life in Parts. No way. Tell me more about it. Well, the event takes place at the Chemo Theater on Thursday, October 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. What's the memoir about? A Life in Parts is Cranston's personal memoir about the joy, necessity, and the transformative power of simple hard work. Sounds interesting. Can I buy a copy there? As a matter of fact, all ticket holders at the event will receive a signed copy from Eisenberg himself. Awesome. I'm sold. Where can I find more information? For more info, you can contact Bookworks Albuquerque at 505-344-8139. You know, memoirs are cool and all, but I have an event that's to die for. But I'm too cute to die. Oh my gosh. Relax, Matthew. It's just a figure of speech. In honor of Dea de los Muertos, local papel picado artist Catalina Delgado Trunk talks about the history of this Mexican holiday and sells samples of her work at the museum store. Museums and death, those are like two of my favorite things. What can I expect to see there, though? Well, there will be face painting, live music, as well as various arts and crafts. When does this event take place? Thursday, October 20th from 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the ABQ Museum, 200 Mountain Northwest. You know, that's cool and all, but I want to know if there's going to be food. It's not a Mexican celebration without that food. Oh, but of course. There will be food and drink specials at Cafe Slate at the museum. Food, face painting, and art. Now, this will be a season to remember. Absolutely, Matthew. I could not agree more with you. But the only thing missing is a good scare, wouldn't you think? Well, as fortune would have it, the second annual Family Fun Scare is happening on October 27th. Awesome. Tell me more. Well, this event will have over 30 vendors, food, crafts, games, pumpkin patches, trick-or-treating at each booth, and so much more. This event is trying to raise funds and awareness for the Second Chance Animal Rescue. What a great way to raise awareness for animal rescue and to get in the Halloween spirit. When does it take place? It's at 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 409 Edmund Road Northeast, Suite B. You know, the Family Fun Scary event makes me want to get in the Halloween spirit and carve a jack-o'-lantern. Speaking of jack-o'-lanterns, the Albuquerque Jack-o'-lantern Fest is coming up very soon. You mean the one where there's music, dancing, s'mores, and even a costume contest? That's the one. When the time is just right, the sky will be lit with jack-o'-lantern-themed faces. How exciting! When and where does it take place again? 
It'll be Friday, October 28th at 5 p.m. and running until 7 p.m. at the Sandia Motor Speedway at 100 Speedway Park Boulevard Southwest. Sounds like we have an eventful week happening in our community, so if you're looking for something to do, you have lots of options. No matter what side of the fence you're on, this election year has definitely been one for the books. Channeling the frustration of a lot of us, here is It's the End of the World by R.E.M. We've come to the end of another great show. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Production assistance was thanks to Roberta Rael, George Lunapena, Christina Rodriguez, and Kamaria Umi. Special thanks to Fred Sandoval, Jaquia Fuller, Krista Kelly, and Mariana Mendez. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Gonalma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm Matthew Brown. And I'm Alicia Hernandez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, woke folk, and remember, tomorrow's another day, and you are loved.